So again, Lord, be with Israel. Be with us this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask that you bless it. We know you will. And may uh, our hearts be open to receive whatever it is that you're going to speak to each and every one of us in this room this morning. And if there may be someone here that is not, that has not, yet invited Jesus Christ into their heart, may today be the day that they would know that it is you speaking to them, not a man, but your word. Comfort those that are brokenhearted. Give wisdom to those that are seeking wisdom today. Strength to those that are feeling weak and feeble. Uh, just just feeling weak, Lord. And just, Father, touch our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And we all agree by saying, Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. We're going to pick it up in just a moment at verse 43. I already know, or you may recall, I already did a teaching through those verses we concluded last week at verse 44. Uh, and so I, that means I would pick it up at verse 45, but in order, as I did last Sunday, for this message or this teaching or what God wants to declare to us this morning, I want it to flow. I don't want it to be broken up. Now, up to this point, we know that this gospel that John has written to us, this account of Jesus is about his ministry and what Jesus was doing. And we know that Jesus was having an incredible effect on people. His ministry wasn't a long ministry or an extended ministry. His ministry began when he was at the age, it is believed, at what? Age 30, right? And his ministry lasted about three, three and a half years. But he was very committed to what he was supposed to do. There was a call upon his life, if I can say it that way, as a man. He was to glorify God. He was to teach people about the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. He would speak in such a way uh, that we will look at this morning, in such a way that even those that went to arrest him said, we've never heard anyone speak like this before. So Jesus had this incredible ministry. Now let me just stop there for just a moment to encourage you. What is your ministry? What has God called you to do? Now, I'm not speaking about a formal ministry, but your ministry or your service should be to serve the Lord, right? And whatever we do, indeed, as Mike quoted Paul out of the book of Colossians, we should do as unto the glory of God, right? If you're married, you should be striving to be the best husband that you can be. If you are a wife, you should be striving, making every effort that can possibly be made to be a good wife. If you are parents, both of you are to strive to be the best parents they are to be. If you're here, and obviously all of us are children of a mom and a dad, if your parents are still around, you are still to honor them as God would have you to honor them. If you have friends, you're to be the best faithful friend that you could possibly be. There's so much that God has called us to do. That is your ministry, to serve the Lord. And are you doing that faithfully? Are you being instructed by God on how it is that you can complete or fulfill that ministry? The only way that we can fulfill that ministry is to be, and this is a key word that all of us have heard, we have a difficulty in it to actually um, let it come about, but that is obedience. 
Most of, us, most of us in this room would say, I obey God all the time. I don't think that's true. Not all the time. Because if you were doing it all the time, I don't know what would happen, but you would be an incredible servant of God, right? But here we see that Jesus, the Son of God, now he was the Son of God, but he came in the form of a man. Tempted in all ways, like us, yet without sin. Understanding what he was supposed to do. And he did that not only with passion, but with compassion. I think that's something for you and I to consider. We should be very passionate about our Christianity. Would you agree? But are we? Well, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But not only having a passion, but also having compassion on other people. In such a way that we would shine as lights into the world and proclaim all that God has done in our lives in order for us to experience, key word next, experience having a relationship with God. Not being religious, just to do what the Bible says, but have a relationship, a personal relationship with God so that we are communicating with Him one-on-one. That He is the most important person in my life, if I can say, we know that God is spirit, but that He would be the most important influence in our lives so that we might have passion and compassion, but at the same time learning to be obedient. You see, Jesus knew why He was here. And the Bible declares to you and I why you are here, why I am here. We are called to serve the Lord. But nonetheless, getting back to Jesus and what got him in trouble, if you will, with the religious leaders was that he was speaking as no man had ever spoke before. That's why he titled the message, What Did He Say? And we'll get to that in just a moment. And I'll just touch on a few things that I believe... Jesus may have said that caused these individuals to relent from arresting him or apprehending him to shut him up. And because he was having such an effect on people, and we know what he was doing, many people had a lot of things that were going in their lives physically. And there were many people that Jesus would heal physically. We also know that there were people that were delivered from being possessed in their minds and in their bodies by demons. You know, I kind of wonder, is it any different today? You know, I do believe that there can still be many people that are possessed by demons. They haven't manifested yet, but I do believe that is still a reality today. And nonetheless, Jesus would deliver them. He would discern. Others, he didn't need to discern. They would be brought to him say, hey, help my kid out. You know that one story. And deliver him from the demon. But here's the most important thing that was occurring that alienated Jesus from the religious leaders. Many people were being converted from religion to relationship. See, the Jews were being taught that in order to be right with God, they needed to keep all the laws that they had given or that they had come up with. Jesus was saying, hey, listen, all you need to do is believe in me. I have everything that you will ever need 
to make it through this life. In fact, that's what we read, right? I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, come to me. And out of you will flow rivers of living water. And so that was a whole teaching that we considered last Sunday. So here, as a result of Jesus, there were individuals that wanted to stop him. So let's read the text. Uh, I'm not going to do uh, an in-depth uh, look or study on each one of the verses. I broke it down into two main sections or things I want to address and have us to consider. And I hope that as we do look at those that you will be open to receive what the Spirit has to say to the Lord, uh, to us, to the church. Because it's the Spirit of God through His Word. Alright? But let's read. I'm going to pick it up at verse 43. Now we already know, and this clarifies what we've already looked at. There were people that were divided about who Jesus was, right? And this is what the scriptures say. Verse 43. So there was a division among the people because of Jesus. Now, some of them wanted to take him or apprehend him, but no one laid hands on him. Let me stop there for just a moment to add to what I've already been uh, saying to us. It wasn't time for Jesus' ministry to be complete. And there are those times that we need to understand that God has a plan for you and I and it won't finish until you leave this planet. Until he says it's over with. Now there will be different phases in your ministry, obviously. Different stages in your ministry. And are you open to those different stages of your life? And sometimes we want to hang on to that or something that we've been doing for quite some time. Some of you that are younger, that hasn't occurred yet, but it may someday. And you're not too sure, you know, whether you want to go with that, but you have no choice other than if it's from God and you are in His hands and you need to be open to what He wants to do because He's in a, He has appointed a particular way your life will be played out. And you need to be, we need to be open to that. I will confess to you, I'm having a difficulty in the phase that I believe God may be taking me in now. Now, what I'm going to say to you is just, it's inevitable. All right? But I want you to think about something as I present this to you, okay? I'm not saying it's going to happen right away. I don't know when it's going to happen. But look at me. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, you look pretty good, man. No. But no, I mean, really, look at me. Some of you have been with us from the very beginning. Uh, I'm looking at the Diley family. I don't see Mike, uh, Mark back there. Mark Diley, who is our accountant along with his son for this church. If you need an accountant, go to them. I'm a 5%, bro. Um, but they've known me since the very beginning, especially Aaron's dad has known me from the very beginning of this ministry. When I, when I was in charge of this ministry, uh, and just uh, the accounting was just a checkbook and receipts. Simple receipts. 30 people, whatever, then it, you know, and then it took off, then it went down, then it took off, and here we are. But anyway. Forty years have gone by. 
as you can tell. I'm almost as Santa as whatever. But here, here, here's where I'm having a difficulty with. I'm going to be at one time or another taken away from this pulpit. And, you know, something that you do for 40 years, you kind of go like, no. That's all I know. No, that's not all you know. Because in that consideration of what's going to happen next, here's what God has been revealing to me. I don't know what's going to happen, so please do not leave here and say, Pastor Jim said today he's retiring. I didn't say that. If you communicate that to someone, you're lying. Because I didn't say that. I'm saying that there is a time where God's going to say, time for you to go. Time for you to usher in someone else. Or I'm going to usher in someone else. Okay? But what I have for you is even better. Oh man, I can't wait. Okay, but the difficulty is, I'm set. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and how do you let go of that? A lot of us say, man, I can't wait for retirement. Well, that's not me. Because I'll never retire as far as being, uh, you know, just a representative of the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I need to be ready for a change. Now, I said all of that because I want you to understand, like myself, how selfish we can be. Now, when I was saying that, and you're possibly some of you in this room that have known me for a while, you're thinking, oh no, what are we going to do? Who's the next guy going to be like? Will I be able to receive from the next person? Oh, blah, 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 you know, all of that stuff. You know what? Here's the reality. That's a selfish attitude. Because whoever God puts behind this pulpit, or whoever comes and begins to minister to you, whether I'm here or not, that's what God wants. It's not about what you want, because God wants to give you someone better. See, when we begin to understand what God is doing and what is saying, and what Jesus was preaching... He's saying, hey, listen, the law is not good enough. It's not going to save you. It's not going to give you all that you need. What you need is my Father's grace. You need my Father's mercy. You need my Father's understanding of what it's like to follow Him and only Him. Because now I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you how to have a relationship with Him and not any religious leaders. Does that make sense? See, so the thing that we need to consider is the influence of the Word of God. I know they kind of jumped into another topic kind of abruptly, but nonetheless, you see, no one could lay hands on him or it's not over till God says it's over. Eventually, that would occur. And when that did occur, and then when Jesus was arrested, crucified, and resurrected and ascended into heaven... Wow, that opened up even larger opportunity for people to hear the gospel. Because he came to die for the sins of the world. So some wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Verse 45. Then the officers came to the chief priests. So obviously there were some individuals that were... uh, um, dispatched to go and apprehend Jesus. Let me read the text and I'll come back. Then the officers came to the chief priests 
and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? Then the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. In reading the text and the remainder of this chapter, I meditated on this verse and I thought to myself, what could have it been that Jesus said that changed the mind of these men who were asked to apprehend Jesus? Now, what's interesting, I'm getting ahead of myself, what's interesting is that these individuals, here, they are called officers. They were men that were, or that men that had some type of authority. But that's not what's important. What is important for us is that these men were Levites. And the Levites knew the law. And Jesus said something that caught their attention. Wherein they said, "Uh uh-uh. We're not going to arrest him. We're not going to apprehend him. Then the Pharisees, verse 47, answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law. I'm sorry, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. We'll get to that in just a moment. Then Nicodemus We know about Nicodemus. We read about him in John chapter 3 or the third chapter of this gospel. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, he was in the midst of them, of this crowd that was asking, hey, what happened? Said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has risen out of Galilee. So what do we see here? Let's go back to verse 44 and better stick to my notes here. Uh, I've already more or less have said most of what I wanted to communicate to us. But nonetheless, back to verses 44 and 45. Many were being influenced by Jesus because of his words. When a pastor preaches or any Bible teacher teaches, We should teach in such a way that the word of God comes forth resulting in influencing our lives to some degree. Coming to that place of understanding what is desired by God from each one of us. Now, the reason I say desired And I could say the word requires, but then that makes it works. I could still use that word requires, and I do believe it does require a decision on our part. I've always had 
the feeling that when you hear the word of God, you can do with it whatever you want. I'm not going to force you. I can't force you. It'd be foolish for me to force you. At best, all I can do is present it to you, communicate it to you, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will begin to impress upon your life as the word is being taught with the benefits, the advantages, same thing, but also the discipline that comes through the word of God that you would be influenced by it. God desires the best for you. But you won't experience that best unless you do something with what you hear. You can either receive it or refuse it. Refuse it, ignore it. Or listen, ignore it. Shut it off, blow it off, whatever. But we need to realize that Paul said, hey, listen, God is not mocked. For whatever you choose to do, you're going to reap what you have sown. I mean, you're going to sow what you have reaped, or whatever. I get it all mixed up now. But the end result is you're going to, whatever you choose to do, you're going to experience the consequences. And that's why some Christians, professing Christians, have a difficulty with their walks as a Christian because they have, as I have said on occasion, have selective hearing and selective doing. And that's a problem within the church, at least here in the United States. We like comfort all the time. We just love the blessings, but don't ever think about disciplining me. And who are you to discipline me? See, the sad reality is that we miss out on the best things that God has for us because I don't feel like doing it. And so we are to be influenced by the words that we are taught, that we read. And the mere fact that Jesus drew a crowd wherever he went And wherever he spoke, it became a threat to the religious leaders. Why did it become a threat? Well, it became a threat because Jesus, through his teachings, challenged the views of the religious Jewish leaders and challenged the way that they were instructing the people. Because they were instructing them that in order to have a good relationship with God, you needed to perform. It needed to be works. Now, some of you may say, well, you just did the same thing. No, I didn't. I said, you can choose to perform or not perform. It's up to you. But to them, it was like, either you do it or you don't, and if you don't, boom, you're gone. And it's all up to what we say you have to do, and how you're supposed to dress, and the ceremonies you have to participate in. I mean, that to a degree, that's bondage, isn't it? And so, because of the influence, they wanted to take him to custody. So they sent these guys off, these Levites. They come back. They're asking them, hey, how come you didn't bring them? Here's what is so neat. Verse 46. 
They responded and answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Of course not. He would take and speak, that is, Jesus would come and speak or came and spoke a message of grace. It's kind of like, maybe this has happened to you. Sometimes we'll be listening to messages or teachings, or maybe watching something or listening to someone talk, and you're kind of like half-heartedly listening, right? Has this ever happened to you? It's happened to me. You're kind of listening, but you're not. You kind of like got, you know, a little bit of divided attention. And then all of a sudden, the person that's speaking says something, and you go like, what did he say? Has that ever happened to any of you? You know, and then you go, you look, you ask those around, what did he just say? What? I mean, he got to this part, and then what did he say? Now here they are, they're coming to arrest them, and Jesus is speaking, and maybe they were just going to grab him, and he says something, they go, whoa, what did he say? I mean, he's speaking contrary to everything that we've ever learned. He's given me some hope. He's given me some peace. He's given me some comfort. We don't know exactly what Jesus had said that caused these individuals to back off, but obviously it caught their ear. It got their attention. He spoke some truths that they had never heard before. No man had ever spoken like this man. Was it because he had authority? Or was it because he was very passionate? Or was it because he had compassion? What was it? Whatever it was, it got their attention. You know, God has a way of getting our attention. It's not always necessarily on whether you have a a pastor that's, you know, kind of like, or a teacher that's very animated and great communicator, or just totally monotone. Yeah, have you ever listened to a message with someone that's monotone? They put you to sleep, right? Like some inflections, and I'm learning how to be, I'm trying to learn how to be a better communicator and all of that stuff, whatever. But whatever he said, it got their attention. Why? Because God knows, Jesus knows the heart of man, and he knows what each and every one of us need to hear and how to get our attention. He knows our thoughts even from afar off. Right? We read that in the book of Psalms. Isn't it interesting that we cannot hide anything from God? He knows what we're, He knows what you're thinking right now. Darn, you can't escape. You know, it's kind of like, I wish I could read into your, I mean, not read it, I I wish I could read your minds. Because I wonder what you were thinking a moment ago when you thought, oh, Jim's thinking about leaving. Or, some of you have selective hearing, or some of you are in compromise. I don't know that, but you know, I just wonder. Because you know, I know when God is speaking to me, though no one else knows what's going on in my mind, you just got busted. Or you just got encouraged. Or you just got some comfort. Or God is saying, you're doing great. I'm going put some more passion in you. Or more compassion. Or, you need to repent, sucker. He wouldn't say it like that. 
But he might say, you need to repent because you know that you are not doing what you're supposed to do and you keep fighting me. And then you get mad at me because I don't answer you. But here's the reality. You're sinning, so how can I answer you? I can't even hear your prayers because you are blatantly sinning against me. Now someone's going like, dang, I don't want to hear that. But you need to hear it. You see, there was, a, there was an individual where we see and we read about that this lady was an outcast. You know who she is. We already read about her in John chapter 4. Right? She has this encounter with this guy, Jesus. And he's speaking to her like no one else has ever spoken to her. He's saying, yeah, the guy you're with right now, man, he's not even your husband. And before that, you had five other dudes. What's wrong with you? He didn't say it like that. But the inference was, and no happiness. No security. You're unhappy. And I know it. So once she understands who he is, check it out. What happened? She was influenced by this powerful man. This man that knew her heart. And her life. And she goes back to the village and tells all the men, check it out, I found him. We see that in John chapter 4 verse 29, where it says here, that the woman, the woman at the well says, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You see, God has a way of getting her attention. And another thing that's really great is when he gets our attention. As I already mentioned, what is your ministry? Your ministry, our ministry, is to not only share the Word of God, but live out the Word of God. Because when people see the truth, and the peace that the truth has brought to your life, they will admit that surely God is with you. Because I've seen the difference. I've seen the attitude. Everything's changed. The perspective of everything has changed in the way that you approach life and the way that you handle the negatives in life or the pains in life. The challenges. The decision making. It's changed. See, we read about a church in Corinth, right? And they were messed up. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they needed fixing, right? They thought they were cool, though. And then Paul wrote to them and said, Man, this is where you guys are messed up. You know, there's some things you know that, that you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing them. Like there's division in your church because there's factions. You guys shouldn't be doing that. And now you're all fighting with each other over who's who and what's what. And, you know, who knows better. And then there's all kinds of adultery or... Incest, actually, it was adultery, fornication was going on. And they didn't do anything about that. You're thinking, where was that at? Chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, read it. But then there was also these people that were bragging about them speaking in tongues and getting all crazy. And Paul says, hey, listen, you need to just preach the word. Let me read something to you from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25. Now here's he, he's addressing a congregation that was just like totally disordered. Well, not totally, but 
out of order. And he says, hey, listen, you guys got to understand this. You need to preach the word. We're going to see the word, uh, the word prophesy here. It doesn't mean foretelling of future events. It could, but not in this context. It means when you're sharing the word of God, the word of God is supposed to bring people to examination and being convicted to where they will say that God is truly in this church. There's something about truth that shakes us, that molds us, that brings us to repentance because of the kindness of God. Is that what got these guys' attention? What did he say? No more works? Just believe? I've never heard that before. I don't need to perform. I just need to believe with my heart. Wow. What did he say? But notice what it says here in these verses, and I better move on. It says here, but if I'll prophesy or I'll share the word, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. Let me just share this with you. I may be completely wrong, but this morning I believe with possibly some of the things that I have said as prompted by the Spirit of God, God has revealed something that needs to be addressed possibly in your life. What are you going to do with that? From a simple compromise not leading to separation from God or death, but just something that you know that God is asking you to do, but there's difficulty in it, and you're going like, "Uh uh-uh. I truly believe that God has revealed something to one of you in this room, or many of you in this room. Because the Word of God... Is just being brought forth with what it really means and what God wants us to understand. And so, it says, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. You know, the church's message has been hindered because a fear of God and presenting the truth has been on the decline, not everywhere, but in certain at certain times and certain places over the past 30 years. Because new ideas on how to communicate to you. You don't want to offend, so let's be seeker-friendly. Let's water down the word so that they'll come back and fill the pews. No. Let's separate those that really are searching for God and fill the kingdom of heaven with those that are serious about submitting and surrendering their lives to the creator of all things. That's not an easy message. Because what it indicates is I've got to choose who I'm going to follow. Either I'm going to do what's right or I'm going to do what's wrong. And in making that choice, there's going to be Either a good consequence or a bad consequence. But see, that message needs to be preached. Because a lot is at stake here. 
What's at stake? Your soul, my soul, and the souls of others. And the well-being of others. The spiritual well-being. Not the comfort zone. So, you see, the church has been afraid. Pastors have been a little, you know, neglecting the call that's been placed upon their lives to speak the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, right? It really does. When people tell me, man, you're looking old. I don't like that. No, really. I mean, how many of you like to be told by someone, man, you're looking old. It's kind of, you kind of smile, you know, and they're kind of saying it tongue in cheek, but you don't like to hear that. It's kind of, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Look at all the wrinkles. And look at all those age spots on you, man. And you're walking like this now. Yeah, it's kind of like, you don't want to hear that. How come you're hunched over? I don't know. I'm not hunched over. What are you talking about, man? You know, it's kind of like you don't want to admit it. But you know, And so we laugh about that. But when someone says, hey, you're not walking right with God, who are you to judge me? You see, we're so good at taking scriptures to defend our compromise. Who are you to judge me? Well, I'm not judging you, dude. I'm just telling you what I see. That's not a judgment. And if it is a judgment, you brought it on yourself. I don't live your life for you, but here's what I see. So why are you getting mad at me if I'm just declaring to you what I see? And the, the truth, when it comes and hits you, smacks you in the face. Instead of saying, oh, thanks, I needed that. You go, here, you take this, man. You know, it's kind of like that's how it is. But notice, let's go on. But knowing, and what should prompt us is knowing that we can have a personal relationship with God. Which should bring us much comfort. Because that relationship with God is based on grace and not works. A personal relationship with God means that God always has time for us. No matter what is going on. And He hears us. And when we have that time of need, we can approach the throne of grace in that time of need. And we know that we will receive help. That's found in Hebrews chapter 4.16 in case you want to check it out later on. And what's really interesting is that, you know, Jesus was speaking in such a way that it got their attention. Here's what the Bible says about the words from heaven. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight. Busted. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He gets our attention in such a way that we need to hear him. It is his disciples got the attention, or God got the attention of a few of the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus' ministry was going to begin. Some of you know the story, it's found in Matthew chapter 17. And Peter said, hey man, it's good that we're here, let's build these tents. And the Lord said, nah. And then a voice from heaven says, right here's how it reads. While Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice 
came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then stop there. He says, pay attention to him or hear him. Are you listening? The, the question is, isn't always, are you there? Is, are you listening? Are you listening? Am I listening? Are you listening what God is wanting to communicate to you? And if we don't listen, he'll get our attention. But he does it graciously. Right? And I'm going to give you an example. At least the way I looked at it. It was a gracious way of busting someone. Okay? And it was done through a parable. But he got the attention of someone that God appointed as king. And this king was doing good. Then it went to his head and he messed up. Right? He went to the city and kind of kicked him back. Saw this hot number on a roof. Got himself in a whole bunch of trouble. And his number came up. <laughs> if you will, if I can say it like that. Right? And then when God wanted to correct him, he did it graciously and lovingly, but he spoke the truth. You all know who that was, right? King David. Saw Bathsheba. Had an adulterous situa- uh, relationship with her. Had her husband killed. <laughs> Fornication, adultery, conspiracy to murder. But you know what? Here's the reality. The truth would come out because God will not leave any sin unchecked. So the story is, and here's grace and we'll wind this up. The story is, if you want to know where the story is, most of you may recall the story, but you don't recall exactly where it's at. But it's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. Lengthy, I won't read it. Because then we'll be here another hour and a half. And because of your comfort zone, you'll be mad at me. And then you'll be glad that I'm going to retire someday. So you don't sit in two-hour messages. <laughs> I'm only teasing. But no, check it out. So, Nathan, or God, wants to tell David, Hey, David, you totally messed up. You need to repent. You need to know and understand what you did. So he gives a story about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had a lot of sheep. The poor man only had one. A little lamb. Loved this lamb. Slept with him. Or the, you know, the lamb slept with him. Kind of like my dashon does with me. I don't eat out of the same dish as my dashon. But according here, the, the sheep, you know, it was just a close relationship. And then a stranger came into town and asked that he would be fed. And the story goes that the rich man took from the poor man, the only lamb that he had, and he slaughtered it, and he killed it. And the question was posed to David, what should you do? What, what, what would happen? David got upset. And he says, man, that man should be judged and dealt with. Right? So the grace of God came through a parable. Right? And then Nathan said to David, You're that man. You're that man. 
And it led David to repentance and to right standing with God. Thus he wrote Psalms 50, 51. But you see, is that you? Have you done something and it takes the word and the parable or a parable to bring you to kind because of the kindness of God to repent? It could be you. And if that's you, God gives each and every one of us the opportunity to be right with him. Story goes on. And I need to finish. I'd like to finish this. I give. I have two minutes. But the story goes on. Where. Once the guard. Or the officers gave a response to the Pharisees. Of why they didn't bring them back. The religious leaders. Said to them. Are you deceived also? In other words. Has he enticed you. To believe something that's not correct. And even those that are being drawn to him, they don't know what they're doing because they don't follow the law. They're accursed. You know, there's, there's this thing that, and here's what I thought of. There's even problems on occasion amongst believers because... A pharisaical view of what we're supposed to do. I'm trying to think of a way to express this or put it to us. Uh, The simplest way that I can think of. Have you ever known a know-it-all Christian? Have any of you ever known? Come on, don't be afraid to say it. Or, Or are you one of them? It's either my way or the highway. It's either the way we do it or you don't do it. And you're all wrong. You see, that's what denominations did to the body of Christ. It's not supposed to be denominations. It's only one body. Now, of course, we address heresy. But sometimes we think we know it all. And there are denominations that brag about that. Well, we're the only ones. We do this and we do that. Oh, whoopee. Are you being faithful to the word of God? And don't brag on that because you have nothing to brag about. The only thing you can brag about is that God has entrusted you with the word of God. That's all you can brag about. It's not how you did or who did it. He did it. You didn't do anything. You're fortunate that he even chose you to do it. I'm talking about leaders now, okay? I'm not speaking about you guys. But if the shoe fits, wear it. But no, I just have to say that because I've run into Know-it-all Christians that want me, want to tell me how to pastor. They've been a Christian for three years, and they're going to tell me how to pastor after I've been pastoring for 40 years. Who do you think I'm going to listen to? And who would you go to for advice? Would you come to me or the guy that's only been a Christian for three years? That's only 35 years old or 80 years old. Oh, I'm not 80 yet. But anyway... (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So even G, and let's close. And even uh, uh, Nicodemus, who at this point, more than likely wasn't born again yet, but he's getting ready, and he's saying, hey, listen, doesn't our law say we not to judge anyone unless we first hear them out? 
let the guy defend himself. Which he would, and then they still kill him. Because they just wanted it their way. May we approach life not saying, my way, but your will be done. On earth or in my life, as it is that you've designed in heaven for it to be. So, Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word and the reminder of your word that is powerful and that you speak to us. And because Jesus spoke like no man ever spoke before. He spoke the message of grace, spoke the message of conversion, spoke the message of empowerment. He spoke the message of wisdom, of so much more. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And God, I pray that if, as I give your invitation, that if there may be someone with us here this morning who's not ever received Jesus, that this day they will make the choice that you have planned and desire for them to make. Give them the strength and the courage. Love in their heart right now. Love them beyond understanding to say, yes, I need Jesus. For the rest of us, God, be with us. Thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy upon our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close in a song, if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your heart, I'm just going to pose this to you. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I believe most of you in this room are, are, you know, in a good relationship with God in the sense of that you're born again like the Bible indicates. But if you're not and you'd like to do that, I'd love to pray with you. Not that the prayer will save you, but the intent of your heart and the will of your heart to be right with God. That's what makes the difference. And if that describes you, would you please raise your hand up where I can see it? And love to just lead you in that prayer of confessing from your mouth what's already going on in your heart. Anyone at all. If you're in the family room, would you make your way into the sanctuary at this time? Anyone at all. All right. If you don't want to do this publicly, there's some counselors back in that direction. Have a great day. Be cool in that hot weather out there. Be praying for Israel. Be praying for one another. Be praying for the body of Christ. Amen? I understand. We'll close in a song. God bless.